You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 134 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Chad Melbourne joined by Casey Abrams today. No Harper Cody. It's his little brother's birthday today, so he's got to go celebrate with the kid. And by the way, that kid might be leading the multiple scorgasms in scoring this upcoming weekend at the Pepsi Cup. So we're going to get into this episode here. We're going to talk about the Matt Kachuk trade, uh, get our reactions to that. We're going to go through some of the winners of the offseason so far here on July 20. 5th about middle of the off season uh yeah but before we do that casey how you doing man doing good really excited for this weekend coming up uh emerson's gonna have a little competition in the scoring race on our team because i am just going for goals this year and uh pretty pumped that i got my boys in the booth merch just in time for the tournament i'd like am not just pumping our own tires because it's our stuff but it actually all fits so well i know and like, I love the look of the stuff. It's all, like, retro. It's it's honestly awesome. So really pumped at how that turned out. Yeah, me too, man. Like, I'm, I'm wearing my uh, Fantasy Corner shirt right now, and this is probably my favorite one. I just love the colors. Like, you know I love the blues and the teals and whatnot. Like, that's the color of our logo. I've got the Seattle jersey behind me. That's what I do for our, my team in the Pepsi Cup every year. So love the colors on this. Fits really nicely. And uh, you can still get your hands on some Boys in the Booth merch at boysinthebooth.com. Head there right now. Uh, and, yeah, you can get some. But I'm excited for the weekend, dude. Like, I I think this week we'll hopefully do another episode where we can get the captains to talk about, you know, who they think the best team is and who they think is going to score the most goals and be the best goalie and and whatever, make some predictions. So that should be fun, too. But overall, like this weekend is is what I look forward to every summer, just playing in the ball hockey tournament. I'm going to be playing hard D this year. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be super exciting. Huge shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring the podcast. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes all the confusion out of buying tickets. SeatGeek makes it extremely simple to buy tickets to all of your favorite sporting events, including Jays and Leafs games, and you can always find a great deal. On SeatGeek, all tickets are scored on a scale between 0 and 10, so you know if you're getting a good or a bad deal. Green is good and red is bad. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Summer is here and you know what that means. Extreme sports like spike ball and road hockey have returned and so is day drinking. The problem is we're not as young as we used to be and these summer activities can be draining on our bodies. When you push your body hard or just feel run down, it's extremely important to stay hydrated. When you make hydration a priority, it helps you feel healthier on a day-to-day basis. Enter Liquid IV. Whether you're playing sports or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. One stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. 
The kicker? This stuff tastes good too, guys. Liquid IV has incredible hydration flavors like watermelon, strawberry, pina colada, and more, but my personal favorite is lemon lime. So get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code BOYS underscore IN underscore THE underscore BOOTH in all caps at checkout. So that's 25% off anything when you order using the promo code BOYS underscore IN underscore THE underscore BOOTH, all caps at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Shout out to Cocktail Bomb Shop for sponsoring the podcast. Cocktail Bomb Shop is a Canadian woman-owned small business and all of their cocktail bombs are proudly handmade in Montreal. Well, what is it and how does it work? Step one, you pick your favorite flavor of cocktail bomb and unwrap it. My favorite is definitely mojito. Step two, drop your cocktail bomb into eight ounces of sparkling water and watch it fizz for five minutes. Step three, add a shot of your favorite alcohol, some ice and enjoy it. Fellas, gents, boyfriends of the world, these cocktail bombs make the perfect gift for your lady friend because not only are they tasty, but they're Instagrammable as well. Right now, if you go to cocktailbombshop.ca and use the code BITV15, you can get 15% off your entire order. That's cocktailbombshop.ca. Use the code BITV15 at checkout for 15% off. Uh, okay, let's get into the episode now. We want to start talking about Makachuk because obviously that was the insane news that happened just a couple of days ago, and we haven't really given our full reaction on it other than my quick story post as it broke at uh, around midnight. I think it was Friday night. And so anyway, here's the deal. Matthew Kachuk goes to the Florida Panthers with a conditional 2025 fourth-round pick uh, and in exchange, Calgary receives Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint, and a conditional 2025 first-round pick that's lottery-protected. So, Case, what were your initial thoughts to the deal? Well, you broke the trade to me via text, and I don't know what I was doing Friday night, but it's busy doing something, and I saw your text, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I couldn't <laughs> believe the amount of stuff going Calgary's way. And I was like, well, what else is Calgary sending to uh, Florida? Oh, nothing, nothing at all. A fourth round conditional pick. It actually blew my mind. And my initial reaction to this trade is like baffled. I couldn't believe it at all. Um, but the more and more I start to thinking about think about it, like I really don't know where I stand on this trade at all. Um, I think it's all going to come down to what Calgary does with Huberto and uh, Mackenzie Weger next year. If they can sign them long term, if they can get them out of good contract, then they're walking away laughing with this deal. Like I, I thought that Calgary, you know, when they lost Gaudreau and we we're starting to hear that Kachuk was going to walk, we were saying, how can you start rebuilding with this back end and with an all-star goalie, like you said yeah. in, in text, locked up long-term for cheap? It's like, how do you start rebuilding now? And we were starting to get worried about Calgary. But with this return, it's like, oh, they're back in the conversation for, you know, playoff contending and, and cup contending, really, in my mind. Yeah, like my initial thought to the trade case, as you know, kind of on the same page with you, like it was just shock and and awe because and actually, I guess before we get into that, I should add a few things about the trade that I didn't include right away for anybody who's been living under a rock here. Matthew Kachuk was immediately extended to an eight year deal at nine and a half per 
Um, so that was basically included in the deal. They wouldn't have done the deal if they didn't if they weren't getting Kachuk to sign. Uh, both Huberto and Uyghur are UFAs after this upcoming season. So Huberto right now makes 5.9, uh, and he's done at the end of this year. He's going to need a new deal. And Mackenzie Uyghur, uh, one of the you know probably a top 15 defenseman in the NHL, I would say. I don't think that's crazy to say. Uh, makes 3.25 for one more year. He's going to need a new deal at the end of the season. Both guys, though, had said have already said to the media that they're open to staying in Calgary. So I totally agree. Like this deal could look, you know, could look even better for Calgary if these guys end up re-signing. But but yeah, so that that was my initial thought. I was like, Huberto, personally, I think is is almost as good as Kachuk, maybe as good, could be better, you know, depending on who you ask or in what you know, kind of circumstance. And then Uyghur, like a top 15 defenseman. And, you know, you get all of this, this boatload, including that first round pick for Matt Kachuk, a guy who literally told the team that he wasn't going to play for them anymore. So I don't understand where the leverage came from Bradtree living, but what a deal this is. And like, this is probably like, I don't know if this is a shock to say, Case, and like, tell me if, if you agree or not, but this might be the biggest trade of the salary cap era. I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to look back. That's pretty scary to get behind right away, but it's huge. It's like, it definitely tops the one for one trade in my mind, like instantly, even though I, that was franchise altering for, for my team. But this thing's huge, man. Florida, I, don't like the Florida Panthers at all anymore. They just traded my two favorite players off of that team. I'm huge on both of these guys. Like Huberto has been, you know, sneakily one of my favorite forwards in the league the last five years. And Mackenzie Weger is like my second favorite defenseman in the entire league. So that was just baffling to me. And man, just think about like a culture shift in Calgary and, and like the mindset of all these other players on their team. Like the last three years has all been talks about, you know, Goudreau is not going to stick around. Uh, they need to make a big change up to, to make an impact in the playoffs. There needs to be a change. Are they going to be a playoff team? It's all negative stuff coming out of there, including like uh, salary talks with Kachuk. So it was like getting rid of those two players. Not, I mean, obviously you wanted something in return for Johnny Goudreau, but being able to replace them with the second best passing forward in the NHL today, as well as a hard nose all around defenseman and weaker. I, I think they're laughing right now. And I, I think that this team is, is, is back. They're back already. And they have $36 million to work with next year. That's their projected cap space. The guys that they have to sign are Hubido, um, Milan Lucic, which is dropping from a five and a quarter million dollar That's contract. Huge. Uh, Trevor Lewis, Mangiapane is getting re-signed this year. Mackenzie Weger, Valamaki, you know, the, they're not too worried about what they're going to be doing with that $36 million, even if it's going to be, you know, $11 million for Huberto. Yeah, and I could definitely see that. You know, coming off a contract at 5.9, that boy is going to get paid. The reason I said it could be the biggest deal in in like the biggest blockbuster trade in the salary cap era is because both of these players had over 100 points last season. Yeah. I don't I don't think there's a trade at least I can't think of it off the top of my mind where two players who scored 100 points were traded for each other 
plus 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 on each side you know so um and so i wanted to get into that at the end of the at the end of this talk i wanted to give grades to each team just quickly because i know i know that's fun and you love that that's your favorite thing to do that's sarcasm um but i I wanted to ask like if if this deal were a one-for-one if you're calgary do you accept it and if you're florida do you accept it if this deal was a one-for-one and obviously the one-for-one being huberto for kachuk uh, I think again, it it really matters about Huberto and if he was they're going to be able to sign him long term. Um, but my initial reaction is, I would not have took this trade if I were Florida, mm-hmm. and I would be run into the bank if I were Calgary because you already knew that Kachuk kind of wanted out of there, and I think that I just I'm so high on Huberto, and I'm really going to be interested to see for both of these guys the product of, of, of this change and their stats next year, you know, Kachuk, we don't have the history of him scoring over a hundred points. We don't have him, the history of him scoring over 80 points. And he played on that one hot line that was on fire all year long. Now on the other side of it, Huberto, he's got the history, but he's also been playing with Barkov for, you know, his, his whole career. So it's like, I'm interested to see what these guys can do with their new line mates and, and how it's going to turn out for them. hundred percent. And a guy like Huberto, like how many times have we mentioned this? He broke the literal assist record in the NHL for left wingers this season, <laughs> you know, with 85, like the, and, and he's not even the biggest piece in the deal. I mean, according to like value for value sake, anyways, you know, it, it that would be Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm and I'm just looking at the stats here because I thought I'd compare them, you know, you know, briefly as we talked about this. Last season, Huberto had 30 goals, 85 assists for 115 points, played, you know, just over 19 minutes per game, roughly, and uh, you know, controlled the chances for and against 55.7% of the time. That was his coursey. Kachuk, on the other hand, 42 goals. So he's he's known to be more of a goal scorer, and we know that, uh, than Huberto is. Huberto, like he said, is the incredible passer, maybe, you know, top two or three in the league. Um, and so we had Kachuk had 42 goals, 62 assists, 104 points, played, uh, you know, about a minute less, uh, almost about 18 minutes a game. Um, Kachuk did, and his course, he was 59.3%, uh, all situations. So, you know, very comparable. I'll say this though, Huberto clearly has shown over his career that he has more of an offensive outlook and he's produced offensively more than Kachuk has. Uh, Kachuk though, underrated two-way player, like one of, one of the better two-way forwards in the league. So there's just a bit of a stylistic difference between the two. Personally, I think these players are are super close, like in terms of value, the more that I look at it. Um, but uh, the fact that Huberto was sent with Uyghur and a first and a former third round pick, to me is just completely shocking. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's other things that you have to take into consideration here, like the that unquantifiable uh, trait of Kachuk and, and his shit disturbing and his physical play. And then also the fact that he's only 24 years old is, is huge for them as well. So there's a lot to go into this trade, but my last kind of comment on this one before we move on is to talk about um, PR or culture. And we're starting to see that it's kind of 
being a factor now and it's starting to come out that you know players don't want to sign with vegas anymore because they just trade their players all willy-nilly and, and the way they treat players is is kind of a thing in columbus for a while although that's certainly changing now yeah. um but florida panthers just traded their franchise leader in assists games played and points i don't know if points yeah. is, is on there or not but, but he didn't know that it was coming at all he yeah. actually thought the next phone call would be about contract extensions and then he got the call that he was traded and i just don't know if that's the way you should be treating your franchise best player yeah and man i'm glad you brought that up you know talking about florida and the way they treat the best players who have ever played for them um great place to play in terms of weather but the organization hasn't exactly been you know sunshine and roses to its players and exhibit a is Ole Jokinen. Do you remember a few years ago when his wife took to Twitter and and mentioned that she returned to uh, to the BB&T Center for the first time, basically since Ole Jokinen had played for the team, and and she noticed this like the, it, there's a there's a case, and Ole Jokinen's name was was hardly mentioned. The, the fact that he was like their leading point scorer at the time and maybe even goals too. And he gave so many seasons to the team and in their trophy case on display, you could barely find Ole Okunin's name. And it was like, what did he really mean to the city then? If, if you're not even going to display your players, you know, you go, you go to the Scotiabank arena, downtown Toronto, and you see legends row, right? You see statues of players. You go to Edmonton, you see Wayne Gretzky out front. You see the best players for that organization put on display and Florida really now sort of is forming a track record of, of, of not appreciating their stars. So I'm glad you brought that up. Exactly. No, it's, it's, it's kind of damaging moving forward in my mind. Like obviously people want to move there because it's a great, great place to play and, um, you know, do the weather and tax and stuff like that. But it's like players are going to start taking notice to, to teams, not treating them the way they should be especially when they're superstars but really everyone should be treated well so 100 percent uh last thing i'll say about this trade before we move on here to the uh winners of the offseason so far is uh it's just something that i i posted in our group chat and was talking about you know mackenzie Weger obviously is a big piece of this deal but he hasn't been talked about quite as much as Huberto or Kachuk because obviously those are the big names and defensemen are sort of just always undervalued in in terms of media attention unless you're Kale McCarr Um, but man Florida's back end is not scary anymore at all after losing Uyghur and after losing even a guy like Ben Sherratt who they overpaid for at the deadline and got nothing in return for their back end right now is essentially Aaron Ekblad on an island with a bunch of, uh, you know, number four and number five guys. And that might be a bit disrespectful, but I think personally that's how I feel. Aaron Ekblad, Brandon Montour, Gustav Forsling, Racco Gudis, uh, Lucas Carlson, Mark Stahl. Does that back end scare you at all? Doesn't scare me. No, no, not at all. And I, I will say I like Gustav Forsling. He, he, he kind of showed that he could be a good pair out there with Uyghur. His partner is now gone, so we'll see what he can do. But I'm assuming he's going to be playing with Ekblad. But yeah, that, that back end doesn't scare me at all. And on the flip side of it, Calgary's is moved up into a top five in my mind in the For league. For sure. 
for like, sure. They're looking at Hannafin, uh, Anderson, Mackenzie Weger, Tanev, Shillington, and Zadorov. Like, I don't really want to play against that team at all. <laughs> That's a lot of guys who, who can both move the puck and move bodies. Every line, every pairing has at least one offensive weapon and a guy who can shut it down and make a good first pass. So that's exactly. oh man that back end is going to be scary for sure yeah okay let's get into our winners of the offseason so far how we did this is we basically just thought of you know one or two teams who might have been on our radar who who we thought have had pretty good off seasons um you know because like we said it's only july 25th here we're only about halfway through the off season, if that because free agency was late starting this year and everything was pushed back so we're kind of just getting started but so far we have a few teams who we think have uh have have been doing well making some good moves and uh in our words winning so case who's your number one team right now who's been winning the offseason in your opinion man it's funny that i said that these guys won the draft or at least were winners from the draft and now i'm also going to say that they're kind of winning the offseason here and that's the columbus blue jackets Corey morell right now is absolutely thrilled you know that but it, it mostly has to do with the one signing and that's johnny gaudreau getting him for seven years at 9.75 million talk about image and culture and and a, and a team that's been struggling with that and that they've been losing a lot of big players in the last decade like panarin walking and uh uh, Officer Bob leaving and then lo- losing guys like Duchenne after making a big push for them. It's like it seemed like pretty bleak in, in Columbus in in terms of uh, holding on to big names, but they just landed the big fish and the guy left money on the table in multiple teams to go there. So that is saying a lot. And that is 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 huge going forward. Not to mention the fact that instantly after they were able to lock up Patrick Line for four more years. And maybe the most impossible thing in this whole scenario is they've made Patrick Line excited to play hockey. I didn't think anyone yeah. could do that. Um, his quote here is, I don't think I've ever been this excited to play hockey and maybe be able to play with this kind of guy. That's huge. And they got him for four years at 8.7 million, which compared to other guys signing in this league, that's pennies for a guy who can score 40 goals at will, especially playing with a guy like Johnny Gaudreau. I wouldn't be surprised if Line A could put up 50 this year or, or at least come close to it. And then, you know, they they locked up Oakfist for three more years at 2.6 million. Huge ceiling on that guy. But then they had a couple weird moves for me. Glad, Trading, glad you're bringing Strand. it up. Glad yeah, you're bringing it up. Bjorkstrand wasn't very exciting for me. They didn't get a lot in return for a guy who could put really put the puck in the net. He's known as the Devil's Killer in twelve or nineteen games. He has twelve goals against the Devils. <laughs> I actually am scared every time he's on the ice. And then they signed Good Branson for four years at four million. So those are two questionable moves. But it doesn't matter like wipe that clean when you sign johnny gaudreau for that that price 100 case and i'm and i'm glad you brought that up because columbus was a team you know that we talked about when we were talking about the draft like i think i posted that reel of uh of us talking about columbus winning the draft and i think i captioned it like they won the draft and the off season because that was a day that that gaudreau signed and so that makes uh that makes up for some of the other moves like getting the big fish like I totally agree. That's incredible. It's it's incredible for the team, incredible for the culture, being able to get line A done as well and getting them pumped to play. 
Um, you know, I think his quote, he said something like his hands were shaking, like getting ready to play because he was so excited. Right. And uh, think about honestly, like, and this is a bit unrelated, but think about guys like <laughs> like Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor and Nick Ehlers and Blake Wheeler when Line A says that quote, I'm excited to play with this kind of talent. It's like, Patrick, you were there and you didn't really like it. And now, you know, that's a slap in the face considering they lost the PLD trade as well. So Winnipeg's just in shambles. Well, you, you knew that was kind of a kind of a slap at the guys to Winnipeg but uh-huh. we all we already heard all of the rumors about how they were in the dressing room and that they didn't get along so it was like not a surprise at all to yeah. hear him say stuff like that 100% uh I'm, I'm glad you brought up the the uh the signing though of of uh Good Branson because that for me that made no sense they essentially chose Good Branson over Bjorkstrand because they had to move Bjorkstrand's money out to accommodate the other signings once they already had Goodbranson done to his deal. And so that to me was a bit, you know, it was kind of poor asset management in my opinion. Um, I didn't love the value that they got in return, especially considering like some of the the other value plays that we've seen this year. But, you know, overall, I, I tend to agree. Like they had a pretty good off season and I'm excited to see what they look like on the ice, to be honest, because you yeah. know, this team could do a lot. Their center depth does not scare me in the slightest, mm-hmm. but I am excited to see what this team could do. And don't get me wrong, like Good Branson's definitely a guy I would like to have on my team. He's huge. He plays well on his own end. He's like one of those guys that you'd want to pair with a young, um, kind of offensively gifted defenseman, like like they did with Will Butcher and Ben Lovejoy back in the day, for an example. But yeah. you know, put Good Branson with. Uh, bulk fist although i believe they're both right-handed so i don't know how that that works out but like yeah i want him on my team four million dollars for four more years at 30 years old don't think i want that though yeah and i think at the time they did the deal they probably didn't realize that they were they were going to be that close to signing gaudreau you know like they probably didn't think that they would have to move money out after the fact. They probably thought, okay, yeah. we can get a player who wants to play here for an extended period of time, which you've mentioned is a problem in Columbus or was a problem. And they're like, listen, if we can get a guy, might have to overpay him a bit, but he's going to stay here and he's going to be serviceable, etc." So I didn't hate the deal when it was done. I thought clearly it was an overpayment, but Columbus is just looking to build it up as their young yeah. guys come through. So, and, and like you said, they actually needed to move cap after after all of this. So they got rid of Bjorkstrand almost instantly after they went over the cap, and he kind of, I guess, was was worked out of the top six wingers due to the moves. But I would have liked them to pick up a centerman training Bjorkstrand and and really kind of work on that that center position because they're struggling there but all in all columbus has to be happy right now yeah 100 percent um okay so the team that i'm gonna pick so far that i think are uh one of the winners so far of the offseason are uh the team that traded for oliver bjorkstrand and that's the team behind me the seattle kraken I think that was a move that, um, you know, made a ton of sense for Seattle, seeing an opportunity to, you know, pick up a guy for for cheap value in terms of what he's probably worth around the league uh, because they saw a team like Columbus who was desperate to get money off the books. So I really liked that. 
Um, you know, obviously we talked about their draft as well, and it seems like we're just talking about, you know, two teams who have kind of transformed themselves this offseason through the draft and just through the moves they've made. But, you know, they drafted Shane Wright fourth overall, and we can't, you know, not talk about that in terms of their offseason moves because that's franchise changing and perhaps even franchise defining having Matty Beneers and Shane Wright down the middle for the next who knows how long. Um, and then obviously Jagger Furcus, like we mentioned, uh, Dume as well drafted. They had a great draft. So there's that. Then they went out and signed Andre Burakovsky, probably overpaid him a little bit, but that's a proven top six player, um, on your team. And like we've talked about so many times, they didn't really have a ton of those. They had a lot of guys who, you know, were scratching and clawing at a, at a top six position, but no really bonafide scorers. And I think Burakovsky, along with Bjorkstrand are two guys who can really help, uh, you know, make an impact in this team's top six. That's now going to be loaded with, you know, some guys like that who can score on the side. And then the younger guys who I just mentioned, Beneers and Shane Wright. So I think their, their forward group is looking way better than it was last year. Um, another move they did, they signed Martin Jones goalie depth we know that that was a problem in seattle last year so maybe that you know we can see a bounce back from martin jones um but just overall man like i look at this team compared to what they looked like last year and their top nine looks like this now they've got brokowski berniers bjorkstrand schwartz wright eberle mccann gord and then tanev or donskoy whoever you kind of want to put in there and to me I know there's still not a ton of high-end scoring on this team, but I can't not be high on this team now looking at this forward group compared to what it was last year. Yeah, you know, I kind of had them as an honorable mention because last year I was on the record just hating this team. <laughs> and I mentioned multiple times that it was just a team full of third li- third liners and like I don't know how that's going to work out because how are they going to score goals? I was semi-right about all that. Semi-right, um, yeah semi-right i'll say and yeah like you said they picked up two guys who can score goals bjorkstrand and burkowski that's exactly what they needed to hit on they also hit on the draft and they've got a few young players that are cracking the lineup here and it's going to be exciting right and veneer down the middle yes please yeah. i'm in on that let's see what they can do together and sound like best of buds already there he was the first guy to reach out to right once he got tra- uh, uh drafted that's yep. the word that's the word yeah, so I like this team a lot better. Uh, Burakovsky, like, give that guy first line time along with Bjorkstrand. Let's see how many goals they both score together. I, I think that's kind of what they're missing. We we talked about, you know, guys that need to be given a chance on one of these these new teams. And I said last year, it's not really any of these guys that I was interested in that happening with, but. Um, Bjorkstrand and Burakovsky, give them a lot of minutes. We'll see what they can do. Bjorkstrand, 30 goal scorer. Uh, he had 28 last year, but he can be a 30 goal scorer. So I'm excited for Seattle. I, I don't know if they're a playoff team yet. Maybe the only way they're a playoff team is because they're in the West and in a very shitty division. I was going to say not only the the West, but the Pacific, which is the worst division in hockey right now. Yeah. Um, and I, I was going to ask you that. Do you, so do you think they're a playoff team? You're saying you're not so sure. I'm not going to say anything quite yet. How about that? How about that? <laughs> okay, good. Because you start looking on the D end and, and in that, and then you you get questioned. Yeah, you know, like there's, you know, goaltending for this team leaves a lot to be desired because, you know, 
like we've talked about, you don't really know how these goalies are going to perform. Last year was certainly, you know, tough year for everybody who played for the team, but especially the goalies. So anyway, I'll leave it at that. But come time where we go through our, you know, standings predictions for each division, you know, don't be surprised if I have this team making the playoffs again if they get average goaltending. So I'll say that. Um, but I like the moves overall this offseason. Any other teams case that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I've got one more winner that is going to make maybe a, a quarter of our listening base very happy. That's the Ottawa Senators. Um, yes. Obviously, they've had a good offseason. You've you got to love the Debrinkat trade for a seven overall, 39 overall, and a third round in 2024. I thought that Debrinkat's price was going to be way more than that from what we were hearing about it. So I think that's a steal for a 40 goal scorer who is going to absolutely light it up in his top six, especially when he's getting a good look with Timmy stew and, and maybe Giroux. So I really love that again, that there's another one. Giroux, I said it, that's a great signing for them. That's that leadership role. That's that top six winger. They're looking for a hometown guy. I have to love it. And then they upgraded the goaltending on top of all this, got rid of Matt Murray's contract and, um, brought in cam talbot to to instantly be better on goaltending they did get rid of philip gustafson who was kind of their young guy but they've got another one in the in the making in uh mads shogard so i don't think that they're worried at all about getting rid of some youth and goaltending and now they have kind of a 1a 1b situation going on in in ottawa because uh their guy there uh forsberg forsberg yeah i want to say forsling forsberg he was pretty good for them last year so I like their situation. And then they locked up Norris, their number one C for eight years, 7.95 million. They're going to love that contract in a couple of years. I, I'm guaranteeing that. So their top six is what we said they needed to improve. And boy, did they ever. Now they have that one solidified line that every team needs that clicks really well together in Kachuk, Norris, and Batherson. And then their second line in Debrinkat. Timmy Stew and Claude Giroux, you gotta love that. Yeah, their top six certainly improved. They've got fairly decent depth. You know, they lost uh, they lost Connor Brown, right? He went to he go to Washington, right? Yeah. Um, and and so you know they 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 don't they aren't incredibly deep, but solidifying that top six for the foreseeable future and then having guys come in on the back end that you know are going to be able to take a step whether it's this year or in a couple years you know guys like Jake Sanderson and and Jacob Bernard Docker and those guys are the future you know maybe maybe it's a, a Brandstrom or Lassie Thompson or whoever you know these guys are going to be up and coming and this team is on the up and up like basically the bottom four teams in the Atlantic they're all on the up and up and uh, I'm excited to see what they do this offseason I wouldn't go as far as to say that they're a winner in 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 my opinion just because I thought uh, Seattle's offseason was better and another team who I'm gonna mention here I thought it was a bit better but Ottawa's definitely up there and uh, they've improved a lot I'll say this though I've seen a lot of comments already whether it's on instagram posts or like tweets that have found their way through the grapevine to me because i don't have twitter um but ottawa fans i know you're excited i know you're excited this is a good team now good top six okay just relax just relax enjoy it they're not supposed to be you know they're cup contenders yet they're they might not even be a playoff team okay they're good enough and they're gonna get better but just relax because I've seen some wild comments talking about the Sens having a top five, top six in the NHL. And it's just not true yet. It's not true. You've got good players. 
in the top six. But, you know, Timmy Stutzla still needs to develop. I'd like to see him become, you know, a point-per-game player. I think he's roughly about a 60-point guy now. He's going to get better. Josh Norris, like you said, you're going to love that contract in two, three years. He's going to be well worth the price. But right now, very good. But there's still a bit to be desired. And you can see that in these players. Even a guy like Kachuk, you know, he gets a ton of shots on goals. He he plays with with heart. He, like, he fights, he hits, etc. But, you know, you could see that player in the future getting more points. So this is a PSA to Ottawa fans. Your team's good. And it's going to be in the future as well. Just relax for now. Just enjoy the ride. So I'll say that about this. You're in a tough division and an even tougher conference. So um, set your expectations. Exactly. Um, Okay. Last team that I wanted to mention here as as one of the winners of the offseason, in my opinion, and, uh, you know, maybe a bit controversial depending on on how you look at it. But uh, I'm going to say the Carolina Hurricanes. I think there's no question that they got better up front, uh, even after losing a guy like, uh, you know, Nita Ryder, because they acquired Max Pacioretty for free from the Vegas Golden Knights, literally for future considerations because he makes $7 million and Vegas said, no, we're going to sign the center in Riley Smith for five times three instead of, uh, you know, keeping Max Pacioretty around. So Carolina, See, you, you got a point per game player, point per game rental player is yep. only for one year at 7 million yep. for free. Totally. Free. Usually a first round pick at the trade deadline. Or Minimum. More. Minimum. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Hagel, for example, not a point per game player, has never been in his career, and he's young. He's very young and on a good contract. He fetched two first round picks and two like B level prospects. So to get Pacioretty for free is an absolute not, steal. Not a rental. So it's like. Fair enough. I'll, I'll say it's, you know. You're buying the years. You're buying the contract. You're you're talking apples to apples, but it's like galas to um, Macintosh here. Ah, I get it now. Yeah, there you go. That that took me a sec. I thought you were talking about computers for a sec, but uh, yeah, no. So it's you know you know what I mean though. This is incredible value for a player just because Vegas said, you know what, we're okay with losing guys, and uh, like we said earlier, NHL players are catching on to that. And uh, you know, there's been some rumors floating around that guys don't want to play in Vegas, and uh, no kidding. So that was the one thing they did. They also brought in Andre Kasha, and Kasha was offered offered the exact same deal from the Maple Leafs, one year, one and a half million. And Kasha decided to go to the Carolina Hurricanes. When this player is healthy, he can easily be a top six player. He, I would categorize him as a middle six player, though. Offensively minded, um, can score goals. You know, plays with a bit of an edge. Fairly smart. Uh, isn't terrible on defense and an incredibly cheap contract. So I really liked that. The third thing they did was uh, they acquired Brent Burns. Yeah, ever heard of him? Brent (laughs) Burns, one of the highest paid defensemen in the NHL. Thing is, they got his salary retained by a bit, not quite 50%. I think they got it at 25 or something like that. Um, But essentially for free, just because San Jose wanted to get money off the books. Uh, I think it was like a third round pick and and a couple guys, you know, nobody notable and nobody signed even. So uh, basically, again, for nothing. And that's Carolina seeking value in the players that they get. You just got to love when a a GM can 
pick out two teams that are in cap hell and expose them and, 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 you know, relatively low value going the other way for, for some big pieces and, you know, just kind of work in the cap. And I really like that. And yeah, it's also not to get away. We'll come back to Burns here, but there's something to be said about knowing when to walk away from a player too. And they did that in, you know, Niederreiter. Um, I don't think they're comfortable with paying him four million, and I don't know if I am or not. So it's like you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them, and know when to walk away. And this was a this was certainly a case, and I think that Columbus or Carolina, yeah, is is, is certainly a winner here because I don't think that their top six got any worse in, in losing Niederreiter. Their yep. back end is still one of those back ends we're going to be talking about when it comes to the beginning of the season and and our rankings. And yeah, this team is still scary to play against. So talk about Brent Burns. Yeah, so in. so Brent Burns, man, going to Carolina here. Um, you know, coming off a season where I don't know. Uh, exactly how much he played, but he was relied on heavily in San Jose. I would imagine Burns is going to play top pairing minutes in Carolina, whether he's on the first or second pair here. Um, you know, I would expect him to play, you know, between 18 and, and 21 minutes a night, roughly. And he's going to be an impact player and on an off- offensive minded team like Carolina, who's going to be at the top of the standings like they have been for the past, you know, half decade. Brent Burns. Watch out, fantasy players here. Watch out. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this because, you know, I've got my fantasy shirt on and I won the fantasy league last year, but he's going to be an important fantasy player and you're going to get him relatively late because of his stats last season. So watch out for him. He's going to replace Tony D'Angelo's scoring in Carolina. And uh, I think it's a perfect fit for the team. Yeah, you pair him up with maybe one of the best defensive defenseman i'm not saying he's a defensive defenseman but he plays maybe some of the best defense <laughs> jacob slavin so that's right um yeah pair those two up together let brad burns get creative again and be a twinger again and it's it's going to be exciting yeah and here's the final thing i'll say about carolina and i guess for this episode in general the only reason i didn't have carolina um you know number one in, in my my off-season winners is because you know, they've still got a bit of work to do. They've still got to sign Martin Nakash and Ethan Bear. And I think they've got just over four million bucks to do that. And I don't know, like depending on term, maybe that costs you more than four million bucks. Maybe they have to move some money around. What's happening with Jake Gardner? He missed all last season. He makes about like over four million bucks. So there's more work to be done. But as of right now, I think Carolina's had a pretty good offseason and uh, look for them to be right at the top of the standings again, just like they have been uh, for the last few years. Uh, I like okay. it. Any, anything else to to add for this winners and losers episode or, or just winners, yeah, I suppose? yeah two teams i want to talk about quickly because okay. i'm so confused and i don't know if they've won <laughs> or lost and one of them i don't think we'll know for maybe another two years but i want your opinion on let's first talk about the detroit red wings so i'm going to okay. name off a couple moves here they traded a third for Huso and then signed him for 4.75 million for three years they picked up Cop for five years at five point six two five million. Mata at one year two point five million. Sharat four years four point seven five million. Kubalik at two and a half for two years, very good. Yep. 
and Peron for two years, I, I think it's also uh, around two and a half million. I got to double check no, that I, one. I think it's, I think it's or four, four point five million. Yeah. Love that yeah. deal. Love that deal for Peron. I don't know what I'm thinking here. I, do I like this or do I not? <laughs> like, I think I like it at face value, but when I start diving into some of these contracts, I get a little scared here. I'll say this about Detroit. They definitely got better on paper and on the ice. I'll say that. But in terms of value and, and these value adds, like this isn't characteristic of Stevie Y because Huso paying a third, first of all, to get RFA rights, then to just re-sign him, you know, and, and to overpay him at that, in my opinion, 4.75 times three years. Not saying he wasn't really good last year. He was. He was one of the better analytic goalies in the league for a large portion of the season. But then we saw him lose the crease in the playoffs back to Bennington, and he wasn't very good then. And we know goalies are voodoo, so in my opinion, that's an overpayment for him. You look at Ben Sherratt. In my opinion, I think that's an overpayment for him, despite the fact that he makes their blue line better by being a reliable defender out there. Uh, we look at Perron and Kubelik, two deals that I do really like, and I think they make total sense to add to the scoring depth on this team. And Cop. Uh, Cop to me, is the worst one. I think that is an overpayment that's going to age way more poorly than even the other two that I mentioned because of the physical style that he plays. I think you're looking at overpayment by at least 1.5 per year. But all of that being said, they're better on the ice and they're going to compete for a playoff spot. So you can talk about, you know, value all you want and 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 getting the the most out of players in terms of signing free agents or whatever. Um, because Stevie Y has typically been a guy who manages assets better than anyone else in the league, or he's at least been, you know, top three in that respect among GMs. But at a certain point, your team has to compete. And if that takes one or two overpayments, uh, you know, Maybe that's what it takes. So, like, I like Andrew Kopp. I like the way he plays. So I love I. David Perron. He's sneaky good top six winger. And then in the playoffs, he's like a first line winger for some reason. Yeah. So I like these signings. But the things that scare me is next year, you got to sign Dylan Larkin. You got to sign Tyler Bertuzzi. You got to sign Pui Suter. It's like there's a lot coming up here. And then in two years, you got to sign Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's going to become of these contracts? Do you know what this team is starting to, to smell like to me? Is the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. It's a team full of around $5 million contracts. And then you're paying, you'll be paying two superstars around, you know, 12 and 10. Yeah. Which in Cider, Cider, twelve million. I'd give it to him right now. Yeah. If if I was him, eight million, twelve years or eight years, twelve million. <laughs> uh, the other way it would have been a lot better. Yeah, but, twelve times twelve. How about? <laughs> yeah. So it's going to get scary in the future, and that's a lot of money that they got to dish out. What's Dylan Larkin going to be making? What does Tyler Bertuzzi make? I I think Bertuzzi's time in Detroit is kind of coming to an end and i think that was made clear when you know first of all when mantha was traded right it, it that kind of sent the message that no one who's a part of this 
younger-ish core that never really made a, a huge impact. No one's safe, right? Like even a guy like Dylan Larkin, I don't think he's safe. And Bertuzzi, I think, I think Iserman and, and company sees him kind of on the periphery of this core now, especially that you have guys like Raymond and and Vrana as a part of the core. So I don't know. I think Bertuzzi, I'm not too worried about Larkin though. I think they probably want to keep because he's their guy. He's their captain. You know, he's more than just a player. He's a locker room presence, etc. So I agree. Like, it's going to get scary in a few years. But I'll also say this, not just about Detroit, but about kind of every team in the league, um, you know, who has been handing out big contracts so far. And I've said this to you and Harp uh, in the in the group chat. I think the NHL GMs know something that the public doesn't quite yet about the salary cap in the coming years i think they've been told a rough estimate of the number um and how much it's going to go up in the next couple years because there's been a ton of money handed out um and if the cap stays flat that's brutal for a team like detroit who, who overpaid three guys but if the cap goes up by you know 10 million in the next three years which it seems like it's going to given how there was there was record revenue in the nhl this year so once the whole escrow thing is is figured out between the players and and the owners or whatever once that's figured out you can expect the cap to skyrocket i have a feeling and this is just pure speculation just based on the the amount of dollars pure dollars given out in free agency this year i have a feeling that gms have been told that the number is going to skyrocket and that they will be able to afford a few overpayments in the coming years yeah in two years we're going to have to be looking back at it and doing it as a percent of cap that's the only way we can look at these salaries in two years especially if it's going to go up quite a bit and i really hope it does and i really expect it to after these last couple years of revenue and i think another one coming in here another another big season ahead so yeah, I think there's got to be something happening. Um, and last thing on Detroit, yeah, I trust Stevie Y. Same. That's that's where I lay here. Like so, in my mind, after saying that, they're a winner. Um, yeah. Last comment. Yep. Go ahead. No, you. Okay. Last comment on it about Stevie Y. The fact that you brought that up. Um, you know how you trust him. I saw a few takes on Instagram on the day that all of these deals got done. I believe it was the 13th. Was it the 13th that the the offseason opened up? Anyways, and a ton of deals were made. Uh, I saw a few comments from a few analytics accounts that I follow saying, you know, July 13th will be remembered as the day that the analytics community gave up on Steve Eiserman because of some of the bad deals that were made. And I think that's hyperbole. You can't say that yet because uh, I'm with you, man. I trust him. You know, he's not only an analytics focused GM, but he's also a guy who's played the game and knows what it takes to win. So we'll see how these deals turn out and we'll see if the cap goes up because I think that's definitely going to help him in the coming years. Okay. My second team that I just wanted to ask you quick opinion on, and we talked briefly before this about them, is the New York Rangers. I stumbled across a post that showed their their additions and subtractions this offseason, and the post said, are they now a cup contender? And I looked at it and I went, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Did they get better? Did they get worse? I don't know what the New York Rangers did in this offseason. Um, when I look at it quickly, um, you know, they lost Strom, Kopp, Mott, Rooney, Trano, Braun, Georgiev, and they got Halak, Trocek, and Carpenter. 
re-signed a couple guys, obviously. Yeah. But I just really don't know if this team got any better. I so you want my opinion? Yeah. I think they got worse. I really do. I think there's a lot of names there who are impact players. Um me saying they got worse doesn't necessarily mean that I think they made the wrong moves, you know? I prefer that they don't overpay guys like Cobb and Vertrano who got overpaid in their respective places. You know, at a certain point, like you just can't keep everybody. Um and and they were rentals, you know? Well, I mean, uh Cop was a rental anyway. So it was like you can't expect them to keep everybody. I think they got worse as a uh for a backup goalie as well. Um, I do like adding Trocek, but I think just overall, you've got some regression candidates, including Igor Shosturkin, who I know had an incredible year, you know, MVP caliber year. He, if he won it over Matthews this year, I wouldn't have batted an eye. I, I would have said well-deserved because that was the best goaltending season, like collective season that we've seen put together since Carey Price won the MVP. And I don't think that's that's a crazy thing to say, but... He's going to be a regression candidate this year because how can you maintain that or go up? Like, I think it's it's kind of unlikely. And uh, another regression candidate is going to be Chris Kreider, who scored, what, 52 goals or something, and half of them were on the power play. Like, there's not a chance he repeats that. Um, losing Strom, I think, you know, is is... You know, you can argue that Strom was never a, a top line center or whatever, and you got Trocheck to replace him. So you can say that's a wash, but I don't know. Changing things up right there, it, it's never, you know, you never really know exactly what's going to happen. So personally, I think the Rangers were pretenders in the first place, and I've spoken my mind about this. I think they just had a, a couple incredible years from guys like Kreider and Shesterkin. Um, But I think in general, they're, they're not going to be as good. I think they're still pretenders and, and even worse ones at that. Yeah, one thing I'll say is that through no moves at all, their back end has gotten better. They're a year older. 100%. And this back end is going to be very good um, for years to come now. But yeah, I don't think that they got better as a, as a whole. And I'm not just saying that because I hate their guts. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just don't think that they got any better. Um, that being said, I think that there could be one last trade to happen that blows our mind, like Kachuk and Huberto, and that's Patty Kane possibly coming to the Rangers. That would change everything for me. Um, we'll yeah. see how much they're willing to give up on him, for him. Uh, and if that happens at all, you never know. So that could be interesting. But, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about the Rangers because I saw that post and it was like, are they cup contenders now? It's like, well, yeah. no, I think they might have gotten a little worse. See, like the more I think about it too, like that comment you made about their back end, how they got better even after not adding anybody because they're just a year older. Like a guy like Andre Miller will be even better next season. Um, Schneider. Braden Schneider forgot about him. What a Adam player. Fox, still a young guy. Yeah, and one of the best defensemen in the league already. Yeah. Um, but the same can be said about their forward group. Lafreniere and Kako, you know, say what you want about them. They had really good playoffs, the two of them. And with Philip Heedel as a third guy on that line. And Heedel, you know, he's he's sticking around for a while. Lafreniere, you know, he was probably the second best player on that line. And expect him to play more of a role this year. Um, and then Kako, you know, he's coming along too. These players don't play often. And I, I don't know how many times I've mentioned this. They don't play as much as they should, you know, both playing about 13 to 14 minutes a night 
on a daily basis, which is a joke for a first and second overall pick. They haven't been put in favorable positions to succeed, but... Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I still don't think the Rangers are that good. But if those guys start clicking and then that becomes, you know, consistent depth scoring and and their back end is better and Shesterkin keeps it up, who knows? Who knows? They could be contenders. Yeah. They're okay. a playoff team for sure. Last two teams, uh, it's going to be like a two or three liner that I want to mention here as losers. Okay. And then I'm 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 done. Uh, very quickly is the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of alienated Patrick Kane and Taves. They're the the last guys on this team. Got rid of a lot of pieces and not a ton in return. And now they've become last chance you, where a bunch of players are kind of signing there because they know they're going to get playing time and and try to t- turn things around. And like Domi and Athanasiu and um, I don't know. There's another one, uh, Tyler Johnson, but he was already there. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm interested to see what these guys can do with more minutes, but it's obviously just going to be like another Arizona Coyotes type team. Um, well, and, and they're then, probably getting flipped at the deadline anyway. Like a guy like a guy like Domi, you know, yeah. he's, he's probably flipped again. Yeah. And then, and then like the change in direction and, and saying they want to change. So Jones, it all looks so bad. Yeah. Um, the second team, Philadelphia Flyers, <laughs> they just, really didn't do anything the moves last year put them in a position where they didn't even reach out to johnny gaudreau who wanted to play for them johnny gaudreau said he wanted to play for philadelphia but they didn't even reach out to him the fact that they couldn't move some cap to sign him and drastically turn things around makes them major losers in my mind totally agree only thing i'll say about the the flyers is that well, I, I guess I'll I'll just say, did you see the quote, uh, the Chuck Fletcher quote? You know, so he was asked in in a media circle, you know, you know, why didn't you make an offer to to Gaudreau or like kind of what happened there? And he was like, well, you know, to get something like that done, we would have had to move a lot of cap space, which would have been, uh, you know, a few players, and that would have been tough or that would have been difficult. And I'm paraphrasing, but it's like. Uh, Chuck Fletcher, that's your job, dude. Your job is to make tough decisions and and to make it work, especially when you have a literal franchise-changing player, a 100-point player in Johnny Gaudreau who wants to play for you and would likely have left money on the table to play for you so he could be close to his family. Like... They had it in their laps and completely dropped the ball. Like what a what a poorly run organization from top to bottom. And throw the Blackhawks in there now as well. Yeah, yeah, no, Philly. Like they they improved their back end. Still don't know about it. Um, I don't. I just don't love the team really. And their goaltending is the biggest question mark there is. So. I wish that they would have made some more moves so that they can continue to stay relevant in the Metro, but this team is kind of earmarked for the bottom in my mind. Who's uh, who's their backup this year? Because they had Jones, right? Do you know who their backup is going into this season? I, so many goalies on the Felix goalie Sandstrom. Oh, God, really? Yeah. I've, Tony, I've never even heard of him. I'm not going to lie. So many goalies have moved around this offseason already. So I'm kind of just like, who plays for who? Like, I forgot that Kemper played. I forgot that Kemper signed with Washington the other day. I was like, oh, if they lost Samsonov uh, and Vanacek, you know, who's going to play for them? And it's like, oh, yeah, Kemper. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, Felix Sandstrom had a 902 in 44 games in the AHL last year. Wow. He is our age at 25. Okay. Well, good luck to him. Good luck to the Flyers. And good luck to Anthony D'Angelo having Torts as your coach. Uh, oh, he loves him. <laughs> I know. I saw the quote. I saw Torts the quote. Torts is D'Angelo's biggest fan. And all of the comments are like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just wait, though. Just wait. He'll do something stupid and Torts will let him know. And I know that that's what the quote was. He was like, is he going to do stupid shit? Yes. But he's a hell of a player. I get that. But I don't know. Torts is probably going to eat his words halfway through the season when D'Angelo's rushing up the ice every play because he's like, why the fuck would I play defense on the Flyers? But anyway, anything else to add, Case? No, that's it. Yeah, we've gone a bit long this episode, so we might as well wrap it up. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 134 of the Boys in Booth podcast. Uh, and actually, Case, one more thing before we sign off. I meant to do this. I meant to ask you the grade, going all the way back to the Kachuk trade for Huberto. What grade do you give both teams just very quickly? That's all I need. A B- minus for the Florida Panthers. No, a B for the Florida Panthers and an A on the dot for the Calgary Flames. Okay. I gave Florida a B- minus like you had uh, before he changed to a B and then Calgary gave him an A plus. So I was a bit on the extreme there. You kind of met me in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Sandbagging a little. Yeah. Okay. Let's do this again. Thank you very much for listening to episode 134 of the boys in booth podcast. Have a good night. This has been another episode of boys in the booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.